0: Adam Carolla here with an important message. We've worked the body, and the troll is against the ropes. The patent troll has thrown everything he's had at us, and we're still standing tall. We're going to wrap this thing up with a big haymaker. By clicking the Amazon banner on this show's website, we'll get a little kickback from every purchase you make, and it'll go directly to the podcast defense fund. So whether it's school supplies or a radar detector, we're going to get a little bit to deal the final blow and knock them out. So...
2: Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here with Jeremy Connor, producer, director extraordinaire of shows like Drunk History and many other shows that you've seen or will see.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Very... Thank you for
2: coming on. It's very exciting. I was I was telling you beforehand that I spoke with someone, Neil.
1: Neil Mahoney, our editor.
2: Yes, editor on the show, and he said that you're really the best interview of the you and Derek team.
1: (laughs) What does that mean? What did he say?
2: He was just saying that you're good. You're a good interview.
1: Uh, Maybe
2: he was suggesting Derek wasn't.
1: No, Derek's a very good interviewer. I know. We we both do a a great job. I think getting drunk people in order. I mean, it's really a crazy process.
2: No, I mean, I think he meant like an interview as a drunk person. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. He meant as someone going on a podcast. I Meaning, he was like, "Oh, you got the good one."
1: I am the inner for you. Yeah, for me. I thought you meant on our show.
2: No, no, no. He was saying to me, "You'll enjoy having Jeremy on your oh, show." Oh,
1: that's so lovely. That's too nice. That's ridiculous. Is it true? I will. I
2: enjoy having you on this show. Uh, you
1: will enjoy having me on this show. I'm going to say yes. Okay, but, good. But uh, but Derek's a wonderful interview, and you should have him.
2: I would love to have him as well. Done. I mean, we'll see how it goes with you.
1: (laughs) If I don't (laughs) screw it up.
2: That's right. So, yeah. So tell me about the process. You're saying that it's a crazy process for drunk history. I would like to hear about that. Now, for the listener who's been living under a rock, who doesn't know what drunk history is, let's explain it. I first became aware of it because my husband, but boyfriend at the time, we were in bed, but just about to sleep. I know. It got so intimate all of a sudden.
1: Drunk history does that, and
2: he was laughing, and then he's like, "You got to watch this," and he showed me a clip, and it was Duncan Trussell. Oh wow, yeah, it was that one. So then I've, so I've known about that. I, I got it on the like ground floor, is what I'm saying. I've known about it since it was a web series, but basically, you guys get a funny person,
1: we get, get them, them drunk, drunk,
2: and have them tell a, a story from history, and then you have it reenacted, and it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, and then uh, and then famous people reenact it word for word. Um, Mouth, you know, lip syncing to their nonsense. Uh, and you learn something and you laugh.
2: That's right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So how does it actually work? What is the process?
1: I recently found out that our shooting ratio for this show is 120 to 1, which means that for every uh, three and a half hours of television we shoot, uh, we make, we shoot 420 hours. Wow. <laughs> um, so we go in and shoot... <clears throat> Just unbelievable amounts of uh, footage of a drunk person trying to tell a story. like Five, six hours um, or longer.
2: Always in one sitting?
1: We owe, Yeah. We go to one person's place one night and we just film them until we've got <laughs> a full night of nonsense.
2: Wow. I didn't realize you filmed for five or six hours. That, yeah. And then we have to cut that, that, that into person, five yeah. minutes. That's, it's crazy. That's crazy.
1: But drunk people are really not the easiest to work with. <laughs> Sometimes they are. But they, um, you know, they do the, everything wrong. And that's what's fun.
2: Like, do you have a love of drunk people?
1: Um, it's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I they're, They can be very funny. And it is really funny to see your friends um, completely act like children in front of you uncontrollably. But it's very difficult sometimes to get them to just tell the please tell the story again, you know, we need to get to the guy's death <laughs> and they're like, "Uh oh, have, have I told you when he was a little kid?" Like, "Yes, you've told us that 25 times. <laughs> please move on."
2: What's like the the perfect level of drunkenness for the person on the show?
1: Um the perfect level is they've told the story a few times <clears throat> and they really have forgotten that they're being filmed and they're just sort of tired and drunk and not really thinking as much and they're not trying to be funny and they're not trying to be smart and they're just telling you the story. Uh, That has always been the best level and the best level of, you know, in terms of the, uh, we love it when they actually know the stories, you know, when, when it's a story that they tell when they're drunk already it's a story they love. It's a story they've been reading about for years. Oh, my God. It's like a thousand times easier on, our, on us.
2: And what are some examples of ones that are like that?
1: Uh, you know, Mark Gagliardi, who we filmed a few times, like he's obsessed with uh, Teddy Roosevelt. We went over his place. He talked about Teddy Roosevelt for six hours, and he hardly made it past his eighth birthday. Like he could have told <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt stories for days. And it really does make it so much more fun um, for us, but also can be more difficult.
2: (laughs) So basically the best is just when the person is like waxing poetic about someone that they sort of have this relationship with.
1: And that they're passionate about these stories. You know, Um, there have been a few times where we've had to give somebody a story and they we thought they were really connected to it. uh, But we found out like, oh, they weren't that interested in it. They just like drinking
2: or they just like being on TV? Yeah, they just
1: wanted to be on – I mean it's only happened a couple times and and we've made it – we totally made it work and it was fantastic. But it's better when they are passionate about it already going Mm. in.
2: Um, Do you worry about getting to the point where people are self-consciously drunk? Sort of like the – did you watch Real World?
1: Uh, Of course, yeah.
2: So, you know, around – what season was it where they were in Las Vegas and like the first night they were all in the hot tub getting drunk? And it was just such a change from the first season where they were just, you know, it's just what happens when people live together and stop being polite and start being real. Start being real, yeah. Versus a bunch of horrors who want to be on TV and know they're there to drink and have sex. Yes. It's really not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I just said, to... <laughs> apparently I'm, fa- I'm passionate about real world. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, People who are familiar with drunk history, as they become increasingly familiar, I'm wondering if they'll be like, okay, now I'm going to tell the story in a drunken fashion as opposed to a – oh, season 12. Thank you. Jeez. Yep.
1: 12. Yeah, you're right. By that point, it was just let's get this started.
2: Yeah. As opposed to genuinely telling a story while drunk, like kind of drunking it up.
1: You know – it happens a lot. People are – they've seen the show enough and a lot of times we'll get there and someone will sort of be putting it on a bit. But because they're drinking and because they're, we're there for a while, we just stay until that goes away.
2: <laughs> until the genuine drunkenness comes Yeah, out.
1: that's when it's the best. When they're really <laughs> – it's like a constant debate in the edit room. We're always sitting there you know, trying to figure out is it – were they trying to be funny or are they just funny – because they're, it's always funnier when they're not, when they're not trying.
2: That's, that's interesting. That's something that's come up on this show. Um, what's come up on this show is me talking about things that have come up on the Adam Carolla show where I'll say something intentionally stupid, but people laugh about it. Like we were talking about Anthony Weiner and I, I was like, yeah, I'm going, really going back and forth on Weiner. And okay. fans picked up, but I knew what I was saying, <laughs> but fans picked up on it. And someone was like, oh, she's the gift that keeps on giving, blah, blah, blah. And I was trying to figure out, is it funnier if they think that I didn't know what I was saying than if they think that I knew what I was saying?
1: I think it's funnier if you don't right. know. I mean, it depends. But in that case, uh, if you accidentally say it, that's pretty right. funny.
2: Right, right. So I let them think that until now and also the other time that I mentioned it.
1: But it is very funny uh, either way.
2: Well, thank you. let be clear. <laughs> now I see what Neil was saying. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Uh, okay. So, what is the process of getting them drunk? Like, do they, ch- they must choose what they want to drink? They, and they choose what you? they want.
1: No, they don't tell us. Oh, they don't. They have to buy it themselves. This is a uh, legal. Oh, yeah. We can't, we cannot bring alcohol or, or feed it to them. It's very, very uh, stipulated in the contracts.
2: So hey, what we're are just the coming. Rules? We're just
1: coming over your house, and if you want a drink, <laughs> that's your own uh, prerogative. But um, I think that's yeah. That they know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. But for legal purposes, we can't. That's actually so interesting.
2: Be, yeah, I, actually, that must be a whole legal nightmare and whatnot.
1: It's not that bad. It, I think there was a lot of fear when we first did it, and everybody was like, "We can't do this. There's no way we can do this." But. If you look at any show on television, like any reality show, everybody's just wasted all the time. And they're doing things a hundred times worse than what's on our show. People are fighting and driving and people are just hanging out on their couch and having a few drinks and talking about history. Yeah. It's not that bad.
2: So then the process of the reenactment, how does that work?
1: Um, So we cut it into five minutes. Then we, um, we have one day to shoot each one. And in each episode, there's three short histories, if you will. Uh, Tonight, the one that's airing tonight is the Hollywood episode. Uh, And so the first story is Citizen Kane and the making of that and William Randolph Hearst and Orson Welles. That's Jack Black and uh, John Lithgow. And then the second one is...
2: Do you address what Rosebud possibly really was? No. Okay.
1: Because it's... So made up. Is it? Yeah. It's I mean, got to be, right? It's, I mean, it has nothing to do with William Randolph Hearst. It's just a fun thing, device that. Uh, no, I'm
2: not talking about the sleigh. I'm talking about.
1: Oh, yes. That it of was course. supposed to be a name for, for someone's girlfriend. Marion Davies' right. little sleigh.
2: Man in the sleigh. We
1: definitely heard that. I mean, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. The whole movie is a – can I swear? Oh, yeah. It's a fuck you to William Randolph Hearst in a huge way. And he does make Marion Davies look like a total ditz idiot in this. Uh, I just went to the Hearst Castle a few weeks ago for I've the first time. I've never been there. It, it's bananas. It's kind of awful. It's kind of awesome. It's, ridiculous. it's stupid. Like, he's I just, can't
2: tell if this is ridiculous and stupid good or bad.
3: Yes, but yeah like it changes from room to room like at least in my opinion it it was just such a trip i was i was a little too young to fully appreciate it but i remember even then thinking like what the fuck is going on here like
1: it's such a he just went around and bought like oh there's a temple i will buy the ceiling of this temple and put it in my living room oh it's the indoor
3: pool was like Some church that had been basically disassembled, and all the tiles were taken out of it, and he like reassembled it. Or some (laughs) crazy bullshit like that. I'm probably a little off, but Mm -hmm. it's close.
1: Yeah, no, and he it's constantly like everything is cut down from the original size, or they had to like make a bunch of extra stuff on the side and make like because nothing actually fit in his house. So all these artifacts, he just like would cut in half, and it's just it's just like
2: the ultimate eccentric tycoon yeah and nothing
1: nothing matches, and it's just a a fuck you of wealth to everyone <laughs> in the world. It's like, look what I can do, yeah,
2: speaking of you also worked on Rich Dicks, right?
1: I did not really work on Rich dicks okay. I played Rich dicks
2: being a a recurring bit on the Kroll show, but it was oh, it was going to be its own show, yeah, right
1: I, all I did was play um dj direct tv in the pilot that they did um and i really didn't do much i pretty much stood in the background talking to brett gelman who was like pouring sweat because he was (laughs) supposed to be on a lot of cocaine
2: Ah, um oh wait but i think i cut you off because you were saying how the reenactment works are like how do the people reenacting know what they're lip syncing to
1: we have this thing playing on a Oh, on a loop on big speakers. Not even that big. I mean, it's a pretty small operation uh, with the playback, but it's like how you would do a music video. So they're lip syncing to this, uh, the drunk person. And we just keep it on a loop. And honestly, it starts to look like some Pirates of the Caribbean ride (laughs) or something because you just see somebody like. Taking a few steps and saying a line and then they just take a few steps backwards and reset and then just do it over and over and over (laughs) again. So while we're like setting up, they're just over there like a robot um, going over and over and over again saying the same line like one of those Hall of Presidents Mm and Disneyland.
2: And I read um, something that Jeremy said about how like if a car goes by, even though it's not historically accurate, you guys will leave that in just to prevent anyone from taking it too seriously.
1: Yeah. Derek. What did I what say? Derek, what Jeremy said.
2: Oh yeah, I meant Derek.
1: No, no problem. Uh, yeah, we love that stuff, and it's it's actually been difficult because in the internet ones, it, that shit happened constantly. Like the whole thing. There's a West Tech security sign next to somebody, and there's cars driving by, and the recessed lighting, and nothing looks right. Um, but now we have money and we go to cool locations and everything looks fantastic. So we're very happy when cars drive by and stuff like that.
2: So what is, what's your story? Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Los Angeles. um, And then I went to New York and went to college there and was making films and shorts and all that stuff. And then uh, tried to do documentary in New York for a couple of years. Didn't work out and I had to crawl back with my tail between my legs to Hollywood, California. <laughs> uh to my hometown to make movies and TV.
2: Where did you go to college?
1: Uh Sarah Lawrence.
2: Oh, how was that?
1: It was great. A,
2: I also went to a small liberal arts college. Where'd well you? Sarah Lawrence is pretty small, right? It
1: is very small. I
2: went to Pomona College. Oh yeah. Out here. Um what happened with documentaries?
1: Oh, New York is just the worst place to not the worst place. There's a, anywhere else in the world is the worst place. <laughs> New York is just not as good of a place to make films and television and uh as LA. So, I had to.
2: Was it tough moving back?
1: Um it definitely failed it felt like oh man, I didn't make it. I but LA is a better place to do that. It was actually my sister who told me that. Um she said if All of her friends, she was nine years older than, she's nine years older, and she said all of her friends who stayed in New York and tried to make it in film ended up coming back to L.A. and having to start all over anyways, so she was like, you might as well just do it now.
2: There is, so I, I'm from here originally, I also, I lived in New York for nine years and then I came back. So you know. And it, my life improved dramatically when I got back pretty quickly. However, moving back, it does, for me also, like I felt like, oh, this means I didn't fulfill my dream of making it in New York. And I still have that dream. I don't know when I'm going to do it, but I still have the dream of what I would do if I were a success in New York.
1: I think about it all the time. I love New York. I'm, I'm, it would be a very cool to be able to be a successful human in New York. <laughs> um, but you'll, you're also, you know, you just work and you have no money and there's no way to make money because if you make it and then you walk home and you have to go to the new... Thing and there's a restaurant and a new art opening and you every five feet you have to like spend more money. You can only
2: time. tread water there. You can't really move ahead. It seems. That's how it felt. But so your sister works on girls.
1: Yeah, she's the showrunner for girls.
2: Is she in New York?
1: She's in New York and LA. She goes back and forth.
2: Um, are your parents creative?
1: Uh, yeah, my they were both screenwriters. Still are, yeah.
2: Do you have other siblings?
1: I have two little sisters who are. Uh, nine and 13. They might, I might be getting it slightly wrong. I think my sister's 13. She, uh oh, August 24th is her birthday. And I can't remember if she's turning 13 or 14.
2: And will they become, uh, Hollywood people as well?
1: Who knows? Hopefully <laughs> not. It's a fucking terrible business, <laughs> but I love it. Um, my dad always told me not to go into it. He really pushed for me not to be in Hollywood. But it's great. What did he say? Um, that it's a miserable, terrible place. He's a, He was a, like a Hollywood screenwriter. You know, he wrote big movies.
2: What did he write? I feel like I should look him up, but I'm just going to ask you instead. What sure. did he write?
1: Um, he wrote, like, his first movie was Legend of Billy Jean. And then he wrote, like, a Star Trek and a Superman. And then um, he ended up, eventually he ended up, like, doing Sopranos and... Boardwalk Empire and stuff. And those, he was really happy at those. But for many years, when I would ask him what he's most proud of, he would say just that he had worked uh, consistently in Hollywood for, you know,
2: so long. Lawrence Connor? Is that your dad? Mm -hmm. Let's just see what we're working with here. Um, Oh, Superman
1: 4. That's the
2: one where uh, the computer. Bits glom onto her face, right? No,
1: that's three. Okay, four is three.
2: Scared me quite a bit.
1: The end of three is the most terrified I've ever been as a child.
2: (laughs) I remember the next morning. I think I was learning how to ride my bike, and I remember like waking up and getting my bike and walking it outside or out of the garage, and just feeling like very freaked out in the daytime. And I, I usually I only felt freaked out by movies and things at night, but that one stuck with me.
1: Those cords like wrapping around her face, pretty awful. It's terrifying. Uh, Mona
2: Lisa Smile, Planet of the Apes, 2001, Beverly Hillbillies, Working Girl.
1: He once said to me. um, Cagney
2: and Lacey, Little House on the Prairie, Family. Wow.
1: But he he said uh, um, when he was on a set of a film and he was being treated like shit and he was miserable. And then he was like, you know what, though? It's like a fisherman saying he hates the water. (laughs) He's like, I can't. This is what I do. You know.
2: And your mom's a screenwriter as well?
1: Um yeah, she was. She uh She's not anymore. She's just a lady.
2: <laughs> just a lady. She doesn't work. Uh what movies did she do? Or do they she did they work together? Not,
1: she did not do movies. But she oh. did work on Kegney and Lacey and stuff back in the back in the day. My mom actually this is an amazing uh thing. She so she had a this is not hilarious. I'm sorry. but so does she have to be. Um, so she had a stroke in 1987. She was like in a coma for six months and uh, long recovery. But uh, the point of it is that she had written a TV show and they were about to make it called Malibu Lifeguards. <laughs> and she got sick. And uh, the woman who was in charge of that project and at that network changed networks. And literally went and made Baywatch. (laughs) And it was like, the first season of Baywatch is like a soap opera. It's not Mm -hmm. all sexed out and stuff. That was sort of what my mom was doing. She was like, she did soap operas in the 80s.
2: So when she got out of her coma, was she like, that bitch!
1: She didn't even know about it for like years later. And I was like, what is this thing? that?" (laughs) Oh. She like, it was too late.
2: So, So you said she was in a coma for six months? Yeah. How old were you? I was seven. Wow, what was that like for you?
1: Um, I was seven. Like my sister was ha- had a rough time with that, but I had she a was lot of sixteen. Yeah, but like I got to hang out in the vending machines and like sleep at friends' houses. Kind of awesome at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but
2: it's very honest.
1: Did not realize the severity of it.
2: What did you think was happening?
1: Um, I gen. I mean, I think I knew what was going on, but I- everybody was like, "Oh." It's terrible. And I was like, oh, it'll all be fine. I was very optimistic.
2: Are you, in general, pretty optimistic? I
1: think I'm a pretty optimistic person, sure.
2: All your years in Hollywood and New York, and you've retained your optimism? I have.
1: <laughs> I like, yeah. I'm an optimistic person.
2: Um, were your parents together, or are they still together?
1: They are not still together. They separated when I was like nine, 10.
2: So they were together during that time. That, mm-hmm. So, is it okay if I ask more? I'm
1: just I, okay. yeah. No one's. So ever your asked. mom,
2: she got she had a stroke.
1: She had a stroke. Was um, she sick
2: or I don't like what I'm just wondering what it, brings it, on a stroke in someone? Yeah, no, it
1: was crazy. It's completely. It's like one of those things that um, you never like. She went to multiple doctors and she was like, I can't. My you know like my left side of my body's getting pretty like I can't feel it, and everybody was Jeez. like, Well, you're too young. You're too young. There's no way it's a, you're, you had a stroke. And so she was just like had a stroke walking around for a while. And then after eventually, uh, then she well, yeah, she went into coma. It totally could have been prevented. But at the time nobody – they had
2: checked to see if she really had a stroke.
1: Yeah. But at the time, they just didn't think anybody under 40 could have a stroke.
2: And so she had numbness but like was her f- – did yeah, she, she have paralysis and yeah. stuff? Yeah. And they were still saying – Yes.
1: That was – That's malpractice that I was, think. 1987 medicine man um, yeah it was a different time and actually my dad um had to hunt down the doctor this one doctor after she went in because to have this special operation this experimental thing and he hunted the doctor down in uh palm springs he was like on a golf course and he like got in touch with him and this guy heifetz who's like the best doctor in the world um and he was like you have to come back to LA and do this and then he ended up writing that into a Sopranos episode but it, in Sopranos episode it's way more badass and like Tony goes on to like uh, the golf course and like oh beats yeah. the shit out of the doctor and is like you gotta take care of my for junior right yeah yeah so that yeah that was that story
2: that must have been crazy hard for your dad while I, she was sure yeah not there and you said it affected your sister
1: uh yeah I mean I don't totally remember honestly but i i know she was having a much harder time with it than i was because i again i was ma- mainly got to just hang out with friends and eat at the vending machines and I, that was good for me
2: do you remember what it was like when she came home
1: uh yeah <laughs> this is getting heavy that's um, where i like to go i love it i mean no i'm uh yeah i totally she She came home. We were living in Santa Monica and uh, it was crazy. Like it's only recently that I ever thought you could make this into even a movie. It was after I saw The Descendants. Um, Did you see it? Mm -mm. They did a really good job of their mom being in a coma. And I was like, oh, you can do this story. There's a way. I never thought it was possible just because it felt – I mean because I was too close to it. But it's so weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Um but yeah, she was like in our room having physical therapy all the, all the time.
2: What did you feel like when she came back? <laughs>
1: um I don't know, man. It was crazy. It's uh I I want to say it was like really hard, but it wasn't. Although, you know, there was those things where it's like I was totally coping with it on a day-to-day basis, but then, like, I would weirdly act out in all sorts of crazy ways. And, like, I have no idea why I'm going in the backyard and smashing shit for, like, three hours. But
2: Is that how you acted out?
1: I I mean, it had to have been related. I'm sure I was, like, had to get it out somehow Mm -hmm. and was just weirdly... Being destructive. But I guess, I mean, maybe just kids are destructive at that time anyways.
2: Well, I don't know. What were you destroying? I don't know. You just smash it. Stuff. Did you hurt animals or anything? No. God, (laughs) Jesus. it's like... I'm beginning to wonder... And I don't need people to answer this for me. Do serial killers really do that? Or did just serial killers in TV shows do that?
1: No, I think that's a big thing.
2: They say it is, but...
1: I'm pretty sure it's a big thing. Because there was that whole story... With the woman who profiled serial killers and then they made – somebody did a play uh, on Broadway that was like all of her research but in a play. And that's where all that came from, this one woman. Um, And I think she sued because she was like, this is – they're literally lifting all of my lines about like wetting the bed and torturing animals and all these things. That all comes from this one woman who – I don't know her name, but she did a massive study on serial killers. Wow.
2: Well, I don't want to see that play. Even uh, if it was a musical, doesn't it seem more like something they'd make a musical out of? I feel like this like marriage of really dark material and a, a, a lilting score. It's just Broadway gold.
1: They did that Assassinations musical.
2: See, I didn't even see that. I don't know. I'm just thinking of Sweeney Todd.
1: Oh, yeah. But that. there's
2: plenty of them. There's plenty of dark ones. Do you have an interest in doing a musical?
1: Um, well, I, now that I'm working with uh, Ricky Lindome on this new Comedy Central show.
2: A he, frequent long time ago guest on the show.
1: This she show. had wonderful things to say about you.
2: Well, I love her. We, we love her.
1: We were just in the writer's room. Moshe Kasher as well said wonderful things. Love him.
2: Things. Need to get him on.
1: Um, or maybe he was just saying wonderful. He's not been on?
2: No. Well, no. Uh, we, he... Adam was out and he and Natasha came on and guest hosted the Adam Carolla show. So I was on a show with him, but he's not been on my show. But I think we're going to get him on this show. Well,
1: he was saying wonderful things about you. Um, And Natasha was there. And we all were. Wait,
2: did she say I was a bitch or something? Yeah, she
1: (laughs) said terrible things. (laughs) No, they all said wonderful things. I feel like
2: you went out of your way to not mention her as one of the people who said nice things. No, no,
1: no. It is so hot in this studio. I know. I can't. <laughs> pouring sweat. Okay. No, no, no. Natasha said. Also said. Oh, she's great. She's great. I said. Oh, I'm going to go do this thing. Said, oh, it seemed said, oh, sincere.
2: Wonderful. I'm just kidding. Go ahead.
1: Everybody was very sincere. Okay. Was, That's what I need to you know, hear. You're everyone loves you. Okay. You're, you're great. Oh. The show's great. Thank God. Everybody thinks. Thank you. you. Okay.
2: Yeah. Good. Good. Good.
1: Um. But in that this show that we're doing, um. We've been. Th- constantly thinking, oh, well, if we have, you know, Ricky Lindholm, she's half of Garfunkel and Oates, we got to get some musical numbers in. So we've been starting to come up with some musical numbers. Um, but the show takes place in 1902 in Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, so we've been thinking of like, how far can we go with like racism and, you know, misogyny and like, because <laughs> it's such a huge part of. Life in 1902, right? Um, so we're we're testing the boundaries. Who knows what will end up actually being on the air? But like, did we've been wa- we just watched today the Conan O'Brien where the the old 1930s crooner ghost comes?
2: I haven't seen it in a really long time, but I think at one point I did. Songs
1: that are just so awful and racist and always against Irish people and women, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. I mean, I think it's really funny that to satirize how people viewed the world back then
2: well that was one of the things that i thought was was pretty novel about mad men at the beginning they don't really do it as much anymore or maybe i've just become inured to it
1: no they don't that was my favorite stuff kids running around with plastic bags that's
2: the exact one i was thinking of yeah
1: and like that that kid who just like slaps the kid like at the birthday he's like drunk and it's not his kid. I think oh, it's yeah. Don Draper's kid, like, runs by and somebody's right. like, hey, watch it, and, like, slaps him in the face. I was like, yes, this is so funny. And everybody's smoking. Like, they, they, the, those, the beginning of that show is so good. Do you not like Where It's Gone? I'm, I scream at the TV now. I still watch it. I still like it. I don't even know if I like it anymore. I just have to watch it.
2: For me... I think we should play the jingle if we're gonna be talking in depth like this. Get ready to rock out. Look skeptical. Embrace it. I've
1: embraced. I've embraced what should I do?
2: Just hang I out, I rock out. Just enjoy. I'm gonna
1: bob my head.
2: Well, like you, you missed got. your chance. Don't worry, you can bob your head to the next one that comes up. Anyway. Um for me. I do love Mad Men. I feel a little bit like it lost its way when all of a sudden Don Draper was writing in his diary. Do you remember the season where that happened? I do. I do. I, f- I was like, no, this is this is not. I don't I don't want to see this side of him.
1: I don't need Don having revelations. Yes. I don't need to see him going through a bunch of stuff. Once in a while, sure. But but at this point, the stuff that drives me crazy is I feel like. Um, Right now, I, wa- I watch Game of Thrones and then Mad Men on Sundays. W- when when it's airing. A- yeah. Game of Thrones, I'm like, I'm in good hands. There is a story. It's going to fucking go somewhere. I can't wait to see where this goes. Right. Oh, my God. They killed that person. No! And I'm like blown away every episode. Then I go switch on Mad Men and it's like, oh, here's a – he. now here's a – a daughter that comes and she's going to eat some steak. No, she's not going to eat steak. Bye. And I was like, what? <laughs> that was an episode. She's the The wife is leaving or uh, leaving him. Oh my God. They're going to have a threesome. Just kidding. We're not even going to bring up anything, any of that ever again. There's that, that woman who bro- broke, broke into their house. Into their apartment. Oh,
2: that, what was that? That was a weird, a oh. weird chilling thing that, didn't paint. I know it's like almost the more exciting thing is this whole sort of extra textual. I don't even know if that's a word thing with. Um, is it Sharon Tate or not? Which it's not. He's already said it's not. I, but that like kept it, there was some charge from that for a while. Yeah. Although really, for me, the show that's creating the response you're having much more in me is the leftovers. Are you watching that? I watched
1: a little bit. I'm. I can't. It's too heavy. It's too serious. It's not a
2: pleasurable viewing experience. Although this most recent episode was better. But was it? yes, a lot better. Coming on the heels of one that was pretty awful. But I was I watched that and then I watched Masters of Sex a week ago. And afterwards I felt depressed until like the middle of the next day and I thought, Why am I doing this to myself? I could be depressed about shit in my own life. I don't need to have it watch we watched, have it coming in from the outside. If I want to feel this upset,
1: I, yeah, I, uh, I've, I have not made it through. I mean, I watched the first half of masters of sex and I really liked it.
2: The first half of an episode. No, no, no. The first, no, half, the first of the half of the season.
1: I, still I really like watch. it. I really I
2: like it. it. The most recent, ep- not the most recent. Well, it doesn't matter. Cause by the time they hear this, no, I guess there'd be, have been one more sometime recently in what was essentially a bottle episode There was a disturbing turn of events that left me feeling icky. But speaking of television and of wonderful shows, you know Hulu. Hulu Plus is so much more. Do you use Hulu Plus, Jeremy? I do. Then you know. You love it. It allows you to watch your shows on your schedule. They have all the current season episodes of shows like Daily Show, Bob's Burgers, Bachelorette, Mistresses, Revenge, At Midnight, where you can see me on that episode, and again soon, and uh, Gary's favorite, Scandal. Scandal
3: not
2: ashamed. <laughs> you don't sound ashamed. And they have every episode of shows like Hell's Kitchen, The Good Wife. I've got to get back into Good Wife because I used to watch it and it was really good. And I keep hearing how good it is, but I've kind of fallen off the train. But with Hulu Plus, I can watch every episode. I could go on. Doctor Who, tons and tons of shows. Hulu Plus works on your computer, Smart TV, Roku, Apple TV, Xbox, pretty much any streaming device you already own. Or you can watch on your phone or tablet on the train, at work, at the dentist, in the bathroom. Um... Never be bored again. Anytime you're stuck in line or just sitting there, wait, like if you're waiting to get your car washed. I always mention that, but the car wash to me is the epitome of a place that I'm trapped and I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I, this is, I'm so bored. But you can just watch a show on your phone or your tablet um, for only $7.99 a month. Get your shows anytime anywhere. But right now I'm offering you guys a special two-week free trial when you go to huluplus.com slash Allison. So make sure you use this link, huluplus.com slash Allison, or you can click on the Hulu Plus banner on my my website at com. You get an extended free trial. And then also they'll know that we sent you and they'll be like, oh, look at her. She sends people our way. We love her. And that's, I think I've demonstrated really what I'm after. So again, extended free trial at huluplus.com slash Allison. Okay. Where were we? We were... Oh, we were... were, I was raising my fist at the leftovers.
1: Um, Speaking of Scandal, I... Katie Lowe's, who plays Quinn on Scandal, I've known for years, and I don't know if this is true or if she was just saying this, but I was talking to her recently, and she said that uh, the first season of Scandal was a little rocky. Nobody knew if it was going to get renewed or not, and... Uh, my sister, Jenny, um, it was like her favorite show and she kept telling Lena Dunham, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it, you gotta watch it. Finally, Lena watched it. My sister got her into it. Lena started tweeting about it and then it became all of a sudden... Massively popular. And they got renewed and, uh, so... I, it is possible. So, thank you, Lena Dunham. I guess
3: is what you're getting. Telling you,
1: actually, I'm saying, you're saying thank you, Jenny Connor.
2: Right. Oh,
3: there you go. Wow. Well, but I also don't know. Thank if, you to your whole family, then.
1: The, Where would the, I be without them? Without the Connors, you wouldn't. You might. It is possible that you would not <laughs> <laughs> have <that's my laughs> Slight, very slight chance, but uh, that you wouldn't. But
2: I don't want to have you on and then just, oops, lavish praise on your sister because I feel like that's bad form. But I love girls. It's great. And I love your sister, although I don't know her. And I love Lena Dunham, too. And I don't know her either. She's great.
1: My sister is the coolest person in the world. It's <laughs> like growing up with Jenny Connor as your older sibling is not easy. Because every single person on earth loves her. Is that and true? And she is the coolest person. Like, everything she does, you're like, yeah, that was the best version. <laughs> that was the smartest choice. Yeah.
2: Were you guys close growing up?
1: Um, she was nine years older, so not that close, but when we see each other, we're close.
2: Are you full sister brother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause nine years, I have brothers who are 11 years older, so nine is similar. Was there um,
1: anybody in between?
2: No, but they're my, they're, um, we have a different mom. Got it. But it is a big age difference. It is. So did you think maybe you didn't want to go into screenwriting or producing or, well, you I guess you do do screenwriting. Mm-hmm. What's your like how do you describe yourself? Do you say producer director? Um
1: I think I for the most part I just say director, but I really do like um, I do write and produce and collaborate and I even like acting. But uh director is what I would just tell people, yeah.
2: Did you try to go a different direction and then realize, "Oh, you're getting this is what you really like," or always is this what you want to do?
1: I was always um doing this kind of thing. I mean, really, you know, when I was trying to figure out what I was doing, I was making a ton of little shorts and uh, with my friends and, you know, my at, at this point my dad saw that I was like, wanted to do it and he was like, listen, there's like a ladder, you got to go be a writer's assistant and then you got to get into a writer's room and then you work on a TV show for a few years and then maybe you get on a different TV show and then you could run it, you know, it's like he... Were you
2: at all like dad help me out
1: um not really (laughs) not really (laughs) but uh i mean there was probably times but um but yeah i didn't get very much help from him in that regard i really was trying to just go and make stuff without any idea that it could turn into anything so i was like just making shorts and making stuff comedy with friends and uh and it was the thing i mean that's what drunk history was it was just the fun thing that we did on a weekend um it was for derek's live show and we were like well this will be funny and didn't really think oh we will make this into a tv show um but we did it's great
2: how did you meet derek uh
1: through our friend simon helberg originally um who i i hear just so just Made an incredible deal today. <laughs> uh on the Big Bang Theory. Oh wow. Um
2: what's the deal? Some. Gary's nodding.
1: It's a
3: large amount of money and insures them on the show until twenty sixteen. Yeah. Maybe twenty seventeen.
1: So. Something like that, yeah. But it's north of fifty million. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I've I've been friends with him since we were twelve. Like he also no. we've done a ton of stuff together.
2: I'm All forgetting right. which one he is on Big Bang Theory. Uh, I'll look it up. Wallowitz. Do you not watch the Howard. show regularly?
1: Howard Wallowitz.
2: Oh. Okay. He's one of these two people that came up in the screen grab. Oh, uh, there we go. Yes. Okay. Well good for him.
1: Very good for him. So So Sinai, he was friends with Derek. Uh they did they were in Second City together and they uh they created a Joe called Derek and Simon, and I was the editor of that. So – and Bob Odenkirk directed that, and then Derek and I became friends after that and started making Drunk History.
2: And then how did it become a TV show?
1: I mean it was so many years later. uh, We'd made one every year or something, like six years, and we just kind of – we were just hanging out one day and we were like – Let's just go take it to Comic Central, take it to, uh, you know, Will Ferrell's company, Gary Sanchez, and just say, eh, what if this was a TV show? We didn't quite know what the format would be, um, but we did know that we wanted it to be like states, like we would travel around. We liked that idea a lot. And then they bought it right there. It was very quick. It all happened very quick. But then we made a presentation and... It took a long time before that became actually an airing television show.
2: And you were Jack Black's assistant at one point?
1: That's true. I was his assistant for 3 years.
2: What was that like?
1: Jack's a great boss. Um he is really down to earth. Um and he's really funny and um and I signed a non-disclosure agreement. Oh. <laughs> no, he's but he is he's the most fun person. Um I could possibly uh, have worked for. And he always was trying to keep me around. And like, he really l- helped launch my entire career. Cause I would say, Oh, I'm, I got to quit. I'm sorry. I can't be an assistant anymore. I want to be making stuff. And he was like, well, what if you make a movie about tenacious D? I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. So I followed them around for, uh, four months around the world and made a documentary that, uh, that I'm very proud of, that that no one will ever see. But it's on the Complete Masterworks Volume 2.
2: Was that when you were in New York? Um, In your documentary phase? Or did you come here to do it?
1: that was in New York. I I went back here and then I became Jack's assistant. And he he kept ensuring that I would work for him by doing things like being in Drunk History and helping me out. Uh, He produced this show, Ghost Girls, that I did. And he's in tonight's Drunk History.
2: Do you ever get tired of being around drunk people?
1: Yeah. Real tired of it. We've been, we just got picked up for a third season and we were, we've been talking about how on earth we're going (laughs) to continue doing this. Um, I was joking once that there's the ABCs of filmmaking that people say animal boats and children are the things to stay away from. I
2: didn't know about boats.
1: Oh yeah. Boats. Why? You know, it's like the whole Jaws story. They're the they're just terrible, impossible things to work on. But then I added drunks.
2: <laughs> the D.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Drunk people are not really they're really they can be very stressful because you just want them to tell the fucking story <laughs> and they have other ideas and they don't remember. That's the worst. People just don't remember what they just said so they constantly are repeating themselves.
2: What do you do like how much do you get in there and corral them?
1: Um <clears throat> pretty I think we we really got to stay that I have a checklist of sort of making sure they hit all the points. First year we did not. First year was a much looser. Um this now now that we kind of have to make 30 in a season. It's like you got these just we I got to know what the beginning and middle end of the story is before I get there
2: and how do they typically feel after
1: they're always they write Derek uh and or me um without fail every morning afterwards saying
2: they're I'm sorry? so sorry I knew it uh, alcohol is uh
1: you know it's a depressant in every way <laughs> like it's a fucking bummer man it makes people really hate themselves it it's crazy it's so sad so you're like you were the funniest person in the world i promise you you'll be so happy i didn't say, i didn't talk about anything i just sat there and like no you talked for five hours <laughs> i pro- like, well i don't remember any of that i know <laughs> you were drunk that's the point so
2: does anyone get has anyone gotten super emotional or like things gone wrong
1: Nothing really has gone wrong. People have gotten emotional. Jen Kirkman's gotten emotional about the stories before. <laughs> um, people haven't gotten... I mean, the worst that's happened is people got sick, uh, which we didn't really do much of this year. We, we're better about not having that be a big part of the show.
2: And at the beginning, you guys would drink along with them, right? But you don't anymore. Is that right?
1: Um, we will have... A, I i don't drink um, with them. Like I'll have maybe a beer if we first get over there just for camaraderie's sake. But then Derek will have more to drink with them and really sort of drink with them for the through the night. Um, I try to stay away from it because it gets confusing. <laughs> Working while you're drunk is terrible.
2: I could never do that. Even So I used to work at magazines and I remember – there was this one Friday where the boss wasn't there and someone brought in a six-pack and they were passing him around and then I had to sit down and write or edit something and I'm like I can't do this. To me they're very separate sep- separate pedals.
1: Yeah. I'm very happy that I learned that work that's a terrible thing if you work really well when you're drunk. Yeah. That's an awful thing to know that like oh I'm much better when I'm intoxicated. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm terrible. Uh
2: Do you drink much?
1: No. uh, Moderately. (laughs) There's been times, I mean, but now I'm like, I got to be a grown-up, you know? But no, I'm 34 now, so it's time to stop drinking.
2: And you're married, I see.
1: I'm married. I got married in October. We just bought a little fixer-upper in Echo Park. It's exciting.
2: Congratulations. Thank you very much. That is exciting. Um, How long had you guys been together before you got married?
1: Uh, four years? Three, four years?
2: And is your wife, what did she do?
1: She's an architect.
2: Oh, okay. I, I'll i have you know. I'm sure she's lovely. I have a thing about architects, which is I find that in... Do you feel that your wife notwithstanding, is there sort of an architect personality?
1: Um, I I don't know. I mean... Maybe not. What is the, What do you see? What's your experience?
2: I feel very uncomfortable saying this now. <laughs> My experience. I won't but be offended. I'm not, but it's an, I don't know any female architects. I'm sure they're all lovely, like your wife and Elise Keaton. I find in general, to me, because I, I once said it offhand on the Adam Carolla show, expecting everyone to know what I mean. And they're all like, what? They had no idea. I thought that architects had a certain stereotype of just being megalomaniacs, like very exacting egotistical megalomaniacs
1: that is yes see um and, and she's actually leaving um she works in big commercial stuff she's leaving that to get into residential um and like do her own stuff and you know um but yeah they're like it's a it's a machismo there's megalomaniacs and there's it's a it really is like old fashioned in its thinking Specifically towards women. I bet. It's really terrible towards women. Like, really old-fashioned. Way more than, like,
2: like any butt other Like, butt-grabbing or condescending? Yeah,
1: condescending and just, like, women are just really not respected in architecture.
2: That must be very hard for her.
1: Yeah. So she's sick of it. She's like, all right. I'm... And she works at a really good company with a lot of great people who are very nice to her. But still, it's just the whole, you're absolutely right. Like, there is something with... The architect personality.
2: Well, I knew it. <laughs> um, um, okay, so you guys just bought a fixer-upper, and does that mean that you live somewhere else?
1: We rent in uh yeah, we rent a, a duplex, and she this is her first. She's gonna like uh, fix her up.
2: Oh, that's so that's so yeah. neat. Um, I'm pretty newly married. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, I guess it's not. We got married in March, and so we we're talking about how we should really be looking for a place. And my husband was saying that we should buy but we, you know, – let's not – like let's say we figure out we can spend this much. Let's not spend that much. Let's spend a little less and then renovate a place. And then I was saying but that what that means is for the year and a half or whatever that it takes to do that, we're living somewhere else. That sounds like a real pain in the butt. I didn't add the pain in the butt part, but I thought that.
1: Some people do it while they are living there.
2: That also sounds that unpleasant. That sounds
1: terrible. I heard that the two – top reasons of uh divorce are like a family member dying and then renovations oh really i don't know if that's true but somewhere said something said that um yeah i don't know i we're gonna stay renting i got i i'm really don't want to live there during the renovation
2: yeah that sounds
1: what does your husband do is he in-
2: um yeah he works at magnolia pictures
1: oh yeah very cool. So
2: that is what he does. What was your relationship history like before you met your wife?
1: Um, I was in a relationship in college that um, I felt a little trapped in. Uh, and I kind of wanted out for a while. Um, she was lovely, but I was really didn't want to be in it anymore. And I was in it for like two years. And
2: After you didn't want to be in it anymore? Yeah. And respectable
1: (laughs) (laughs) so when i got out of that uh i was like i will not be i will not get into something unless i'm really 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 into
2: it i'm relating very strongly to that i had that thing too of like i'm so happy i'm not in one of those things anymore for a while
1: yeah so i i don't know i kind of had a tear yeah i was on a tear for a bit it was great but it was ridiculous and stupid, um
2: what does that mean you slept around a lot?
1: yeah, but also it's i i 'm so happy that i 'm not single right now, but I'm so curious to be a single person who actually has like their shit together and a real life and because I was before I met her, I really was still like Struggling. living with a couple dudes <laughs> and like a place and like the fucking black grout in the shower and was gross and I don't know. Like now I'm a – I have a career. I'm like, wow. I wonder what that would have been like to be a single person with a career.
2: So what you're saying is you're so happy you're not single but in the back of your head you're like, I wonder what kind of pussy I could be pulling in right now.
1: I mean I get to keep it in the back of my head. (laughs) I, you know, I'm not going to do anything about it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because back in the day, for me, I certainly didn't really care what a guy's job was or whether he even had his driver's license, whereas now those things would be pretty important to me. Well, not what his job is, but just his level of stability and all of that, obviously because of my age. But, I mean, God, when I think back on just how much the fact that a guy – had none of those basic things that you look for. In well, because I guess I wasn't looking to settle down yet either. I was just attracted to someone and I was like, and I, and he plays bass in a band. So let's do this.
1: Yeah. Maybe it wouldn't have, maybe I, there was nothing. No, maybe no one would have cared.
2: It depends what kind, like a probably a woman like your wife would, yeah. but yeah. someone younger, they, they don't see that yet.
1: You're right. I think you're totally right. I still would never, I'm not a bassist in a band. <laughs> Like, I, I failed.
2: <laughs> Were you popular
1: uh, growing up? I, I mean, not like I wasn't super popular, but I wasn't, I wasn't at the bottom either. I, I went to some, like, hippie schools, so I never had terribly, uh, you know, everybody was sort of accepted.
2: Mm-hmm. That sounds good.
1: Yeah, it was great. There was not a lot of bullying in my school.
2: Because they didn't allow it?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was like...
2: I want to send my kids, if I have them, to this utopia school. Um, Where is it? Is it up in Topanga or something?
1: No, it's in Santa Monica. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like, it's it's called Crossroads. Oh, it's that one. Yeah. Yeah, people know it. But it's, uh, like, every Friday you sit down with for hours with, like, a small group of people that randomly are picked and you have to, like, share and... Pass the talking stick and like go through therapy with them and stuff, and like we you you go to a sweat lodge at the end of your really? senior year and you go through like multiple days of very like heavy spiritual shit, <laughs> and like it's very hard, you know, for someone to be a bully when you're like in a sweat lodge with them, right? Like it takes away a lot of that kind of um, bully stuff. But I think that schools also changed a lot. I'm not sure. I don't know if I would send my kids. But
2: did, did you like it at the time?
1: I did like it at the time. I went there when I was very young, from kindergarten to twelfth grade.
2: Oh wow. Are you happy you did that?
1: Yeah, very happy. It was great for me. I really got to they gave me a lot of chances that I think a normal school would not have I was a really shitty student. It was terrible. I really i'm it's interesting Were they like
2: he needs special attention because his mom's in a coma.
1: <laughs> they did. I mean, I think I don't know, but I think that's where that's definitely where like my where I stopped being a good student, and it just kept getting worse and worse. But it's interesting doing drunk history because I'm all of a sudden interested in history.
2: Yeah, was that something you were interested in before? No,
1: I mean it's not like I was not interested. No,
2: I wasn't interested.
1: I mean, it's like, wasn't
2: interested. In history most is ways. made very, very, very boring in school. I don't know why. It's really I know. interesting. It's a story of people, but they turned it into, like, memorize this list of this thing. It's so sad.
1: Um, but it is so much fun finding out stuff and also, like, reading stuff that's really dry and being like, why are you telling it like this? Wait, I have a chance. I can – this is how it should be told and then being able to do that.
2: You guys are educating a lot of people.
1: It's not – we're not even really – that's not even the forefront in our, of our minds. But if we can, that's fantastic.
2: Well, let me ask you a question, speaking of things that are historical. How old is your underwear?
1: Right this second? Yeah. I, have to, I don't even know what I'm yeah, wearing. Yeah,
2: find out if you're wearing some old ones or new ones. I'll just tell you why, though.
1: Um, you can... They're probably pretty old because they're boxers. And I feel like I haven't bought straight-up boxers mm-hmm. in a while. It's been a lot of boxer briefs for years.
2: We've talked about that on this show. Plenty of men, including half of the ones in that booth, have have given up their boxers. They're, they're strictly boxer briefs these days. Kalen still sometimes wears boxers and claims he doesn't even care.
3: I don't. My boxers are getting pretty old, though.
2: A recent survey showed that men kept their underwear for an average of seven years. What were women's reactions to the study? There you That's got. a good use of money. No. Gross! They, they thought it was gross. Don't embarrass yourself when you drop your drawers. It's time you knew about MeUndies.com. MeUndies has the most comfortable underwear you've ever tried they fit perfectly they don't ride up on you they literally pull moisture away from your skin so you're cool all day long and something that I think is pretty exciting they are made right here in a small warehouse in LA by a bunch of people that don't take themselves too seriously uh and you can order it online cuz if you're like me you probably hate shopping and trying on underwear in a little dressing room and all that so it's just it's just weird just order the best underwear online and here's the thing. They also make you look great. Go to meandies.com, Check out the pick of the men's underwear and sexy women's lace thongs. Men and women, high-quality materials for your high-quality materials, if you know what I mean. I think it's pretty clear. At just $20 a piece. You can change your underwear more than once every seven years, Gary. At least nine. <laughs> 20 bucks is easily half of what the other premium designers charge. For the U.S. and Canada, shipping is absolutely free. So go to com slash Allison before September 1st and get 20% off your first order. 20% off your first order when you go to com slash Allison. Again, that's before September 1st. And they guarantee that you'll be happy with them. Okay. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Jeremy, were you weirded out when I asked you how old your underwear was?
1: Not that weirded out. But okay. But maybe I should have been.
2: No, I feel like that was the right level of feeling uncomfortable. Song. Sometimes. I,
0: have done. Is just me
2: I was supposed everyone. to be live
1: tweeting from at seven o'clock. I messed up. Are
2: you? Do you need to send a tweet right now? No, it's
1: done. It was from oh. seven to seven thirty. There was a lot of action on Twitter. People liked it. That's great.
2: Yeah. Will you be in trouble now?
1: No. No.
2: Yeah, I guess it would just be you that would it's get just mad my at you. Own
1: and I was all right with that.
2: Good. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. I was,
2: Yeah, no, I wasn't trying to make you feel. I think you were. I think your message came <laughs> through loud and clear. I get what you're saying. You're saying... saying that I prevented you from doing your job. Well, I just don't think that's my problem. Let's
1: not do this here.
2: Okay. So anyway, this is where people send in things they think or do, And they wonder, is it just them or is it everyone? And then we say whether we also do these things. Jason Dix says, Whenever I watch a war movie, I'm always disgusted at how, about how soft and ineffectual I am compared to the soldiers. Uh, I don't have that reaction, but.
1: Yeah, no, never had that. Um, like that they're so manly.
2: Yeah, and mm. they're men of action.
1: You know, I was reading recently that uh, after Stanley Kubrick's very super crazy anti-war movie full metal jacket came out, enlistment went up like 10,000%.
2: What do you make of that?
1: I think that Hollywood, no matter what, doing glamorizes, war, it. glamorizes it. Whether you want to or not, there's no way around it.
2: That's really interesting.
1: Because um, they're in a movie. That's why he, Jason feels like uh, he's soft and ineffectual, because he's not a Hollywood movie star. right? Not because they're running around shooting guns. That's my take That's on that.
2: That's a very cogent analysis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, soft and ineffectual? Eh,
3: I don't know. I
2: I don't know. I remember a long time ago hearing someone... At the OC Weekly when I was working there. The same place where I had the beer and realized I'm useless if I'm drunk and trying to edit or write something. But I remember one of the other reporters talking about just like the greatest generation. Now, those were real men and they blah, blah, blah. Whereas like now – it was very kind of like proto-Adam Carolla. Whereas like now men aren't stoic and it's all about our feelings and talking about stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I remember at the time thinking, but I actually prefer that world where people are talking about what they're feeling and they're honest. Frankly, I guess for me, I start to just, I get a family thing after I
3: watch movies like that because I'm the first male in like four generations not to be in the armed forces. So oh really, Whoa. I start to get like, yeah, I start. Is that to an get... embarrassed? No, um, no one ever pushed me or even really suggested it um, seriously. But like, my grandfather was career in military, and so was his father, and my dad did eight years or something like that so it's like i started to get a little bit of family guilt even though no one's ever given it to me
2: would they myself. have wanted you to enlist or would they have actually Lauraly
3: would not have I'm that's sorry. his mom my mother would not have uh, been very fond of that i think my dad probably would have been okay with it although he wouldn't have been able to outwardly support it for fear right. of her wrath but.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's what i'm thinking sort of like jeremy your dad was trying to talk you out of it my dad was a doctor and like made sure all his kids knew his feelings about like, don't do it. <laughs> don't go to medical school. Don't go this direction. There's a lot of kind of trying to dissuade kids from what you did.
1: I think yeah, it's probably a new, a new thing. I feel like probably usually is just yeah, like,
2: now people are in touch with how they actually feel about something as opposed to like, we just make shoes. That's yeah, what like, this family does.
1: I am the butcher. You are the butcher's son. Yeah. You will now be the butcher.
2: Kaylin Bean. You know actor Michael Bean? That's his father. Um, Hello. Hello. <laughs> did he try to discourage you? Are, you have a sibling who's an actor, right? No. I thought there—I thought one of you was more, more the actor.
3: Well, I've said that my little brother is like that. I mean, he loves acting, and he's very good at memorizing lines. That's what I After mean, then. I hearing it one time. So I feel like he's going to be when he grows up. Oh. Uh, but no, my parents would not be very supportive if I told them I was joining the Army.
2: Oh, no, that was, but that was
3: the question, right?
2: No, the question is how would they feel about you guys going into movies and stuff and being coming in after oh, 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 and following in the oh, footsteps? Yeah, they'd be
3: totally fine with that.
2: Oh. Great story. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, wait, which one are you going to play? Play the, the nice one. I wonder one.
3: which one he's going to play. Too late. Too late. Wait, what do you mean the nice one? I was going to play his jingle.
2: Yeah, that's the one.
3: That was Kalen's Corner. Yeah,
2: it was. That was Kalen's Corner.
1: Hello.
3: Yay! Yay. Wow, live
1: clapping.
2: <laughs> I know. It might surprise you to no. know we did not have that made professionally. What? Yep. Get, all in-house, but then I, also actually all in-house, but then a fan um, like sweetened it up. <laughs> so no, in a way, so. there is some professionalness on it. Okay. Tara Martin says, just me or everybody. I type fast when searching, racing Google to finish my words before it can guess what I'm typing.
3: Uh, what? She's no. talking about the predictive text of like trying to get get the phrase out before Google can guess what she wants.
2: I don't do that, but maybe I should from now on.
1: No. I like the predictive text. I do, too. I type it in and then I wait. I, I and I go it, like, come on, predict it. Yeah. Ah, okay, it pre- I play a
3: different game of like how many letters is it going to take.
1: Yeah, that's how I That's how I'll I do. just pick three and put them in and be like, come on. Yeah. I know like, you'll get there. Yeah. I, I'm exactly the same way.
2: I was actually having an autocorrect fail today because I was trying to type Afghanistan and I was having trouble and it wouldn't predict anything. I was like, come on. This was in, in a in an email. It wouldn't like fill. Oh, maybe it only does that in text, not email. I think no, it just it sh- didn't know. It should
3: do it. You, it must have just maybe it's not in the dictionary, or I mean, it should be. Or you just were wildly off. That I always feel really stupid when it can't guess a word for me because then I'm like, God, how badly am I butchering this?
1: Right. Why is why does um is there any way to fix it so that well you know like every time I type tomorrow like I misspelled it once. And, like, if I spell it right, it will be like, no, do you mean to meh Like, no, what? Why? Yeah, you can
3: fix that. How do you fix that? Uh, it's super boring. I'll show you after
1: the show. All right, all right. You no, know, <laughs> you sure you don't want to do this on the show? It sounds pretty good. I,
2: <laughs> I have to look
3: at an iPhone to do it, but I know I know kind of how to do that.
2: All right. There you go. See? I've some, some, One good thing came out of this. One good thing. <laughs> Alan Gambrel says, just me or everyone, when driving, I imagine people. Excuse me. When driving, I imagine people's real. Okay. Once more. When driving, (laughs) when driving, I imagine people's rear tail lights and bumpers are animal faces, usually frogs and chipmunks. Oh, that's that's the second one like this that's come in, and I told that story of uh, when it came up last time of being really high in college and walking through a parking lot and just noticing all the different faces. So I only do that once. When She's I was really the high in
1: college, like faces, too. I fa- seeing faces yeah. in things. Uh, yeah, yeah, all the time. Little milk carton, uh, cars, trucks, opening of a house, windows, and a door. Yeah, it's all. Yeah,
2: there's a Twitter account, Faces and Things. Do you follow
1: it? That Patrick Stewart in the bed sheets picture. Have you seen that one? No.
2: It I really don't think looks so. like
1: Patrick Stewart in bed sheets. It's amazing.
2: But what is it really?
1: I mean, it's. Just bed sheets, but it <laughs> looks like Patrick Stewart. I'm
2: going to have to go find that. Shuey says, wonder w- – oh, yes. Wonder why the AC isn't turned on before the podcast starts since Allison Rosen always asked to turn it on. Well, now we've started turning it on ahead of time, but thank you. There was one time where in the middle of – so I do this show Mondays and it comes out Mondays and Thursdays. And Mondays is the interview like this. And then Thursdays there's a group of us who do it and we talk about all sorts of – um things of all sorts of ridiculous ongoing debates about like what color are blueberries actually and what is the correct way to shower and um how do you wipe your butt yeah whether you sit or stand is and there's like a lot of a is a butter sandwich a thing where do you come down on the butter sandwich thing
1: people stand that's patrick stewart in the bed sheets
2: that does look like him
1: yeah it does That's pretty great yeah it's
2: pretty crazy some people stand to, to finish the wiping didn't know that so you should try it sometime. I'm not saying I do, but anyway, there was one episode where I said, "Could we turn on the air conditioner?" And then it started to get hotter, and I didn't bring it up because I figured, okay, I'm just extremely unhealthy or something, and um, for some reason, I just can't stop feeling really hot. And everyone in the room seemed really hot. And then, it, long story short, it turned out that he had turned the heat on. But all of us were just suffering silently, embarrassed to admit we were still really hot.
1: So is this tweet? Just about that. It sounds like though it happened a lot.
3: It happened two or three times in a row, but the the best part of it is the one where the guy turned the heat on. Because as soon as the mics turned off, we all were screaming about how hot we
2: were. It's so hot in here. What's going on? Sooner Magic says, we will only reply LOL if I actually laughed out loud. I won't. I typically never write LOL. I just don't like it. I'll write haha.
1: Yep. Same. LOL, I mean, uh, sometimes
2: I've actually written. I'm laughing out loud. Really? Yeah, I have. Just because I want them to know I'm laughing.
1: That makes sense. But you, LOL it I don't cheapens do- it so much.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah. I can't do it.
2: I used to never use excessive punctuation either. I didn't used to do like three. I'm
1: so embarrassed by what I do.
2: I do a lot of that now. I like it. It's weird. I've come com- complete 180. I like a bunch of exclamation points. I'm okay with two question marks.
1: I can't write an email with Two question marks seems aggressive. I do it so much. It's so awful.
2: Two question marks is good if you're like, tell me about the date.
1: Right. If it's lighthearted. <laughs> if,
2: you're to, if you're trying to really show the person you really want to hear about something. Yeah, if, you're,
3: if it's lighthearted, then I totally get that. But like, if you're asking somebody if they did something in right. like a business setting, no. I would be like, whoa, bro.
2: That's inappropriate. So fuck back. Like, yeah.
1: It was just the one question mark will do you fine. Um, yeah. Uh, it sounds like you're speaking directly to me because I'm in business settings Using lots of exclamation points and lots of question marks. And I know when I'm doing it that I, I'm like, don't do this. Just Whoa. chill the fuck out. I don't know why you're <laughs> pressing. Just like, and I, I have to press send.
2: When is it your way of trying to indicate the urgency of it?
1: No, it's my way of being like,
2: is it possible for you to do this thing?
1: Then like it's super passive aggressive. Like I really do want you to do this, but like, is because I'm, I'm not just asking, like, is it possible? I'm like. Oh, it's,
2: I know it's so inconveniencing. So,
1: see, there's two question marks. That's how bad I feel about asking yes, this. Yes,
2: actually, the extra question mark can. It's almost like putting air quotes around the whole thing, or under. It's like it's like saying, "I know this is not totally an appropriate question, even though you think it is. I know it's totally an appropriate question. It's like extra plaintive.
1: Yes, it's acknowledging. This isn't just a normal question. I understand right. that.
2: Can we make this happen, question mark, question mark?
1: I don't know. It's embarrassing. I should just stop doing it.
2: Now, when you greet someone in an email, is it high exclamation point or is it high or is it just their name, comma, or do you not even greet them?
1: Um, there's a lot of exclamation points I use. I don't know what to say. Uh, it's embarrassing. I've just become somebody. It It, it takes away... Any of the confusion. That's what I've found. I
2: feel like... Right, because... Oh, ooh. I think you're like me. You refuse to use emoticons, so you have to make punctuation do the work. Or do you use emoticons? No, no,
1: I don't use emoticons. I definitely- you realize
2: we are, ha- we are hobbling ourselves know, by not using them. Are old. you talking about an email
3: or a text? Because I will not use them in... Email. Uh, an email email absolutely not. but
2: people use them in email
3: they do and i just i don't know i'm not wild about it i have a just mere everyone that's kind of along these lines okay i have to do a lot of cold emailing people like emailing people who i they didn't give me their email address in a lot of instances and i always open with like nice to e-meet you and i can't decide if i hate myself for it or not
2: i think it's nice and polite.
3: okay i like that's it because i've seen some of these emails that's why i do it is because i'm trying to be like hey i'm not crazy i got your email from somebody reasonable like, right i don't know it makes sense but I kind of every time, every now and then, I'll read one. And I'll be like, "Yeah, it's kind of hacky."
2: No, because like back, like when I would receive, I'm assuming this is in a booking setting. And when Almost, I would, yes, when yes, I would receive emails from producers wanting to book me on a show, I always liked when they were nice. It always made me feel good. So I huh. think that's good. Good.
3: Well then, I'll keep it up.
1: Yeah, I support that. Not that worked on you. Anybody asked? But no, we want I'm we supported. wanted your opinion. We
2: did want it. <laughs> We wonder, do you support this? <laughs> question mark, question mark. Well, I always do the high exclamation point. Like my emails are much perkier and chirpier than I am. It's just I'm trying to express friendliness. But then I received an email back from someone. It was three sentences. All three of them had exclamation points. And it, I actually found it a little bit off-putting.
1: I should probably chill out. But I do find that like sometimes that I've, I've had so many emails – where tone was misunderstood. Like people, you know, thought I was being, you know, passive or some someone thought I was like in a bad mood because I was just like, yeah, that's fine. And then someone – we had to have like a call and it's like, oh, you just said that's fine. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that's fine. That's
2: Right. It sounds curt otherwise.
1: Yeah. So it's like, great job! Exclamation
2: point, exclamation point. So
1: happy! Exclamation point. I know it's the only way.
2: Yeah. Because other – because periods – Periods just have no place in email.
1: <laughs> I agree.
2: <laughs> Amy Pruszynski says, just me or everyone, if it's over 70 degrees out, I won't go running outside and opt for a go on the elliptical or some other indoor workout.
1: Opt for a go on the elliptical? I know. <laughs> Where is she from? I don't know. Um, I I don't run that much, mo- really.
2: I don't work. I, don't I work love that, I that you downgraded out. it from that much to really. Because they're two very different things. One is not running a lot, and one is you don't run. I don't run either. I don't run. Okay. <laughs> Own it. It's fine. Well, I
1: did have an elliptical, and my wife made me sell it because.
2: Because you never used it? I never used it. That's okay. It's not okay. You seem fit.
1: You guys are breaking me down with these. Is it just me?
2: <laughs> it's funny. Usually, this is not the most revelatory part of the show. This
1: is really everything's coming out now.
2: That's right. Uh, Tony DeCost says When things like the recent Spielberg Dino Hunter pick go viral, I assume the people who comment that it's real are just trolling. I wonder. I wonder about that. You saw that, right?
1: Yeah. I think that some people are trolling. I think that some people aren't even looking. That people just, I I keep seeing things where n- someone just hasn't even read the article or hasn't even looked for more than two seconds. Yeah, and then you're like, what do you? T-? Oh, I guess. I mean, it could be trolling. I'm obviously some people are trolling, but I think people v- look at the internet with such like, you know, just they're just so blind. People aren't actually understanding what they're reading or paying attention to the fact that it's a triceratops.
2: Right. They're just, like, having an emotion and yep. going to express it. There's like, oh, it's
1: another one of those hunting pictures. I'll write what I always write.
2: I kind of want to interview a troll on this show. But then I think, don't do it. It's just going to end up like Jamie Kennedy's Heckler, except I liked that movie. But I, I don't even know how I would find one. But I wonder, would it be illuminating or would it actually be off-putting? Because the whole... I mean, my life involves having to deal with Internet trolls and inter- – well, I think anyone in, in the public eye in any degree, you have to deal with it. And I think that the average person actually deals with it as well, but not to the same degree. So I'm wondering my interview in a troll, would that just be interesting to like other podcasters or something, in which case that's really not communicating with people?
1: I think you interviewing a, a really embarrassed nine-year-old would be amazing because <laughs> that is like the reality, isn't it? Isn't it I, like, a uh, lot of the times – I wonder.
2: You think it's someone who's that young?
1: I think a lot of the times trolls are people who are really experimenting with their voice being heard. And it's the first time people are being able to have, oh, my God, I can't believe if I can put something on a famous person's, you know, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But you're probably right. It's like a lot of very young people um, and me, possibly like drunk or fucked up people.
2: I think it's a lot of drunk people oftentimes. Yeah.
1: Who are like totally don't even realize they're on the internet, just sitting in their car waiting to sober up or something. I don't know what drunk people are doing and they're just looking at their phone and like, right. oh, fuck you. Uh,
2: what kind of comments do you guys get?
1: Um, <laughs> I, negative ones? I mean, well, like when we were on the web, it was almost all positive um, except for the uh, – it's so awful, except for, like, Jen Kirkman and, like, physical appearance stuff. The m- On just
2: just her or?
1: Uh, well, she was really a, was she the, the only first woman? woman. And it was – I was just so vicious. for It was like, what? Are you, what? No one uh, – it's just such a – that shit really pisses me off, really bums me out that, like, anybody has to go through that stuff. And, like, that, that's the human response, who why i don't understand
2: yeah i don't get it either it's it seems worse on youtube than anywhere else The so youtube brings out a special kind of troll i think yeah a special yeah. kind of comment um okay sarah j says wave my hand in front of non touch sensor paper towel dispenser excuse can't speak today paper towel dispensers feel foolish every time
1: there's yep. a, yeah there's a great Dimitri martin Bit about this, where he's talking about how everybody is just—you have to act like a bad wizard now, and he, it's like it's so ridiculous. Who who couldn't reach and just grab I know. a paper towel?
2: I actually prefer faucets that you can turn on and off, like a regular faucets, Person,
1: I don't mind as much, although it is so annoying because they never—they always shut off. But I. The paper towel stuff, I am never quite understand when this was such a problem. <laughs> right. Why are we fixing this? But I
2: don't. To go back to what we were talking about for just one second with the Jen Kirkman thing. See, I think, and I'm sure that there's people who disagree. I probably work with one of them. I think the way women are treated online is probably worse than the way men are treated, although men aren't treated that no. well either.
1: They're a billion times. Okay. Thank you. So that's what I'm saying. It's like... Everything was positive and then the second we had a woman on, that's – all of a sudden people decided, oh, I have to say terrible, nasty things about this stuff.
2: I don't – yeah, I don't understand why.
1: Um, but
2: it is – a, it's its own phenomenon.
1: Recently we were uh, – Ms. Magazine wrote a big thing about drunk history and uh, said how how it was one of the best places to be for a woman because our, our stuff is – we have – We tell all these incredible stories about women that you've never heard of. um, And women on our show are authorities very often. That's awesome. Which is something that you don't see on television, especially television geared towards young dudes. Dudes. Uh, So I feel – I thought that was kind of cool.
2: That's really cool. I'll have to go find that story. Shittlesworth says – and this is the last one. When I lose 75 cents in a vending machine, I feel like I've been fleeced for a huge chunk of money. Yes. That – when technology fails you, that's sort of like when the DVR doesn't record your show or the alarm doesn't go off when you want it to. And for some reason, it just seems much worse than the reality, which is, OK, just watch it on demand. Yeah. It, I, I think it's because, like, no, I was relying on you. I – Why didn't you work this time?
1: I feel uh, like something just weird happened where I, I can't remember the last time I used a vending machine. I – that is a technology that I just have not been around for a long time. That is very strange. I guess I
2: – Maybe – not everyone encounters them in their daily life.
1: I used to. I haven't worked in like a normal office setting in so long or like been at a school for so long. Um. Because I was like, oh yeah, I know exactly how that feels. But I actually haven't experienced that—the vending machine feeling—in a long time. But when technology fails you, yeah, like the alarm doesn't go off or the DVR, right. oof,
2: makes you retrace your steps. What did I do wrong? Because you don't want it to happen. How again.
1: could how could you have recorded Treehouse Masters <laughs> instead of House of Cards?
2: Or when it cuts off on like the last minute, oh. so now yeah, I have to set everything to you know end a minute ahead, but mm-hmm. um. When I I worked at Time Out in New York, there was a vending machine there and there would be these like long post-it note chains to the vending machine guy. Like on this date, I put, you know, this money in and I did not get my Diet Coke and blah, blah, blah. And then like people responding. So I totally get that. People
3: responding or people trolling? Because if I saw that, I would start fucking with the
1: person. I think
2: it's both. (laughs) Okay.
1: I just would steal out of the vending machines. How? In high school. (laughs) Um... You could just reach in. There was like a I would had tiny little hands. I would have been good in in the in, in, the, in the war, <laughs> the cleaning missile casings. No, but like I was, uh, I would just reach in. You could also take like a ruler or something. Pop, pop them up. Just get in there. Were
2: they in there with the spirally thing? Yeah.
1: You just – if it's thin
3: enough. Get it at the right angle. Yeah.
2: You've done this too, Gary?
3: I can't do it because my hands are giant. But this I, just
2: came up on the Adam Kroll show. I was saying why is it that they make it impossible to like get your, get your thing out of the reservoir and he was saying because people reach in. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I
3: – The technology has changed over innocent. the years. Like I don't even think a, a kid would be able to do it with ours. But back in the day, like if you had reasonably small hands, yeah, you could definitely get in there with a ruler. I, uh, I saw somebody use a hanger once.
1: Yeah, you wanted something higher up? The (laughs) hanger, (laughs) hanger, you could go four, three feet, four feet up there. Wow, you are at mid level. You are at mid level. Yeah, you are getting Twix. This is not trail mix. this is not not the juicy fruit at the bottom.
2: Was that at our high school? Uh, Where they had like six vending machines behind a cage? Did Mm. you guys go to high school together? Not together. We went to the same high school, but not together. I am older.
3: No, I feel like this was done outside of school because there was always people around. It's yeah, it
2: would have been hard to get a hanger. Yeah. All up in there.
3: Not to mention, you had just gotten made fun of for doing it.
2: Right. Did you see Real Genius?
1: Um, my dad is an uncredited writer on <gasps> Real Genius.
2: <laughs> One of my favorite movies. It's a really good movie. Filmed at Pomona College. Really? Mm hmm. Anyway, remember the scene where he like, makes a little quarter sized disc out of frozen nitrogen or I don't know right. what it was some chemical some and use that nonsense. yeah and then it just puffs into air Your dad wrote that?
1: Yeah, he would put it in the vending machine, right? Yeah. That's how he would break in. Yes. Get. Yeah, my dad was I don't know what he he doesn't even know what he like I remember him him saying like walking in and being like, "Oh yeah, I wrote this." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" You're and he was like, "I don't know what they I've never seen it." But I he so- was like a writer for he should watch it. A long time. It's pretty a, good. he's not credited. So maybe they didn't even use this stuff. I don't
2: know. Why, that's why he should watch it. So he can say whether he did or did not.
1: He wouldn't remember.
2: Because he's done so much.
1: Eh, it was a long time ago.
2: Well, I would recommend everyone buy it. And if you're going to buy it. Or if you're going to buy something else, click through the Amazon banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It does help out the show. We have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We also have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. First one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops and the next one with Doug Benson and much of the Thursday Gang The genesis of many of the Thursday show debates are on that episode. So if you're a fan, or even if you're not, I recommend that one. They're $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you. This was a wonderful therapy session.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you feel that way. So tell everyone where they should go to um, find you and what they should be looking for and all that. Plug all your stuff.
1: Uh, They should be watching Drunk History at 10 p.m uh, Eastern on Tuesday nights on comedy central. And then when we make this show, another period with Natasha Leggero and Reggie Lindholm and, uh, David Wayne's in it. Michael Ian black. I love
2: David Wayne. Oh, it's really He's a good. guest. He's been on this show. Oh, man. And I love Michael Ian black too. I
1: cannot wait for you to see the show. It's so much fun.
2: When's uh, it, when's it coming? Out? I
1: don't know. We don't have an air date yet,
2: but. but like approximately next year. Do you think? I think so. Yeah. That's exciting, but not this year.
1: I don't know. Uh, no, not this year because we start shooting September 15th. Oh, okay. So definitely not.
2: And you said that's on Comedy Central as mm-hmm. well?
1: That is on Comedy Central as okay. well. Okay.
2: And then they can follow you on Twitter.
1: They can follow me on Twitter. Just my name, Jeremy Connor. K. K yes, yeah, Jeremy, um, right. K O N N E R.
2: All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. Kaylin still refuses to be found online. Is that right?
1: Yeah, don't worry about me. <laughs> on any of the internet? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much? Okay, I have a Facebook. All right. Cool. now oh, here we go again.
3: That was Kalen's Corner.
2: Yeah, it was. That was Kalen's Corner. Hello. Yay!
0: Yay! I'm
2: realizing that people that only listen to the Monday shows, if there are any, are aren't familiar. Confused. They're so confused. <laughs> Kalen uh, just. This guy. Show. Yeah. Kalen really just has be. a way of being Kalen. That is true. And then there, this whole Kalen's Corner thing grew out of it. And then it needed a little. Needed. Accompaniment Needed. All right Well Jeremy Thank you again so thank much Thank you so much for Listeners me. Thank you so much For listening I love you Goodbye
0: Hey do you know About the Alison Rosen show We had a good time But now we gotta go Thank you for choosing The Alison Rosen show Time for all the Allison Rosen Show.